0: hello and That's welcome back to the gridiron Gentlemen podcast we are here to talk about the super bowl but we might also sneak in some talk about uh, awards and maybe some um chat about the uh hall of famers going in this year as well um to do this is just uh two of us back to bare bones james just you and me
1: it's all we really need
0: definitely Definitely, definitely, not really.
1: Definitely. We 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 miss everyone else.
0: Oh, it's, absolutely! Yes. Just everyone's busy at the moment, so just the two of us. Um, yeah. Okay, let's start then with the fact that we had the awards last night. I think that's probably. I think we should probably have a chat about uh, that. Yeah. I mean, there was some interesting picks. Uh, we'll we'll go down the list if I can find the list. which is what I'm trying to do at the moment. Um. Uh, give me one second. Um, yeah, it's it, here we go. Uh, here we who won what? Okay, so MVP went to Lamar Jackson. Fair yep.
1: enough, no, no argument, absolutely no. He was, he
0: was unreal this year, just absolutely yeah. unreal. Uh, he looked, he looked unstoppable. Uh, Offensive Player of the Year, then thoroughly deserved Christian McCaffrey as well. Like, yeah, been excellent this year. Defensive Player of the Year was Miles Garrett, which I, I quite like seeing.
1: Uh, I like Miles Garrett quite a lot. So, yeah, he played like a quarter of the season with a um, with structural issues with his shoulder. He which did, and good. And on top impressive. of which,
0: he just looked unstoppable as well for most of the season. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year, no surprise here. CJ Stroud, Puka Nakua got a few <laughs> votes. Like, I'm happy he got a few votes, but equally, yeah. I don't know how he got a few votes.
1: No, I, I mean, uh, if you if you objectively look at the two of them, it's quite hard to yeah. actually give your vote to Puka over CJ, even yeah. though obviously they're both amazing. It's just positional value and. Uh, CJ Stroud is the reason that team was in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, he's, he was unreal. He was unstoppable. And in any other year, Puka Nakua wins that award. Yep. Um, mm. But um, just not this year. He was just unfortunately overshadowed by someone that played even better. Uh, it's a double whammy. The two and three picks of the draft this year uh, win the uh, Rookies of the Year awards. The, the, the defensive rookie there was Will Anderson. Meaning that... The mm. Texans betting it all to move back up in the draft actually looks pretty smart now.
1: I think the morning after draft night, it was the most second-guessed trade of all of them.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, I I wasn't a fan personally. I th- I thought it was a waste of picks. But mm, I mean, fair play—they they got two genuine difference makers. Um, mm. so I mean, you know, you can't can't do any better than that. Right. No. Potentially contentious coach of the year was Kevin Stefanski. I mean, I think it could have been one of about eight different coaches and I would have been fine with any of them. Uh, I thought Kevin Stefanski actually did a really good job this year. I think he was definitely in, within that stack.
1: It's the five starting quarterbacks. That the yes. quarterbacks did for him, And I think that's the difficulty level part of it. However, I probably would have given it to Sean McVay.
0: Sean McVay would have been my choice as well. Yeah, that, that's that's who I'd have given it. Yeah, he 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 stood out as someone that, like everything you heard about that team, with the way he completely changed how he coached his coaching style. Mm. I, I, I think that's yeah, pretty amazing. It's a triple achievement for the Cleveland Browns because the then Joe Flacco won Comeback Player of the Year. <laughs> I mean, it should have been Damar Hamlin. Like, one mm. of them literally came back from death to to, to what play. Are you to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, I, uh, it's 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 good. It's it's interesting. I think this year, I think there's some slightly left field choices, which I'm fine with. But but I can see mm. everyone that won an award has has a good argument football winning their award so i'm fine with that uh also got announced the uh hall of famous going in yeah. last 2024 let's go let's go let's go yeah. dwight freeney love that just Des- yes. thoroughly deserved excellent i'm gonna save some of the best yes. last, in my opinion andre johnson yeah. um the yes. currently the greatest ever and mm, well no 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 jj Watt's retired he was for a while the greatest ever houston texan yeah. um <clears throat> Julius Peppers. Um oh, wow. unstoppable edge rusher, just outstanding player. Love Julius Peppers. Uh Patrick Willis, I'm so glad he got in. But like, I mean, I know he's going to get in, but I'm so I, I had a feeling he was going to be like the nearly guy for so long, but he was just an outstanding player. I'm I'm very, very happy. Um and then yeah. then my boy got in. Devin Hester made the Hall of Fame. I am over the moon for him. So now that's done, I can immediately move on to let's get Peanut Tillman into the Hall of Fame uh, campaign. But uh, oh, you don't think? Oh, I, I absolutely think that think he deserves to be in. No, like, can't. I mean, you think how cornerbacks play nowadays,
2: mm.
0: and it's almost directly Peanut Tillman that that kind of like inspired that. So i don't think he will make it i think he should make it but i don't think he will would be my guess I think he uh, and then also I think randy Graddishar and steve michael made the list as well i think it was nice to see steve michael make the list because he's obviously uh i mean he's bedridden now uh, mm. from his ms and he's als he's it's really really sad to see but it was nice to see him get the credit he probably deserves yeah. Uh, nearly yep. everyone on that defense now like that defensive front sevens at least been up for the hall of fame i think nearly so mm-hmm. mcmichael um dan hampton richard dent and uh singletary i think are all the ones that made the hall of fame from that for that uh bears front so it's 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 good to see Stephen Michael probably deserves If Dan Hampton deserves to be there, Stephen Michael definitely deserves to be there as well. So, oh, God, gotcha. yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, really, really happy. It's, I think that's a great list. And then I saw the class of 2025. Like, it looked epic. I'm just going to try and find it now because it looks like one of those ones that almost impossible to pick who goes in. Mm. All of Fame. Players eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2025. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's find this now. Sorry, why is this not? Hang on, sorry. This website's pretty... Here we go. Okay. So Mm -hmm. here's the new players eligible. Get ready, James. Our boy. Our boy becoming a grown man. Luke Keekly. First year of eligibility for the Hall of Fame. Like mm-hmm. first ballot, Hall of Famer, greatest linebacker I've seen play. Uh, Marshall Yander. That's an interesting one, I think.
1: No, I, I would I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. You you can't you can't think about the Baltimore Ravens without thinking about him.
0: Nope. Earl Thomas. Like probably the most important player in the Legion of Boom.
1: I think as much for the way that he redefined what we expect from a free safety in terms Mm -hmm. of range and in terms of diagnosis and what it looks like for the position, he did completely redefine it. He had a range that was just remarkable. Um, And, Without Earl Thomas, there is no legion of boom. Gus Bradley is still coaching in high school. Dan mm. Quinn has to take another route to get to the NFL as a head coach. And I genuinely think that he and Bobby Wagner yeah. are two single biggest key parts of making that work. I agree. So I think for, for that short-term contribution that he made, cause he didn't play for all that long,
0: mm.
1: I think... Probably deserves it. I don't know that he'll get in the first time, though. He may wait.
0: Next guy I think might, and I think it's a bit of a surprise considering the position he plays, Adam Vinatieri. Oh, instantly. I think he has to. Like, he's just... He was just unreal. He was unstoppable for so long. Hmm. Uh, Joe Staley. And you wait, hmm. I think he waits a year, but, like, he's
1: he'll wait. He'll just
0: outstanding. Wait. Just so important to so many different Niners teams with so many different coaches, quarterbacks, just massive. Like they went pretty much straight from future Hall of Famer, Joe Staley to future Hall of Famer, Trent Williams. Um, And yeah, it's a very good place to be. Definitely. Yeah, Uh, Marshawn Lynch. That's an interesting one for me. Like he is a legend. Like his big plays were some of the biggest plays however I don't know man I don't
1: the, the problem with him yeah. was he his time in Buffalo was he wasn't the same guy he yeah. took a long time to kind of elevate himself to, to, to the heights he reached in that Seattle offense and yeah
0: Just those moments, man. Like that—that's—that's that's all it comes down to me. If you want a someone with a great highlight reel to go in the Hall of Fame, he's probably the guy.
1: I mean, yeah, I certainly think that he—he's he, someone who deserves consideration. But I think there are players that have missed out that have a more consistent sort of career output although yeah. it's not just, just about counting stats but i think that he he kind of he spent his his time in buffalo being somebody who kind of underwhelmed a little yeah. and on for his career
0: um You're, yeah your uh, voice had changed a little bit there james yeah <laughs> Um, I think with Marshall and Lynch, it's there was like one, maybe two years where he was near unstoppable. And then Mm -hmm. outside of those two years, maybe three years, I don't know. I don't think he's ever been the best running back in the league. Mm. No. I kind of think he probably definitely deserves a shot. I just don't think he's first ballot.
1: it's it's the same kind of argument that prevents Roger Craig in that if you look at Marshall Lynch's career numbers
2: yeah
1: you sort of look at them and uh, he doesn't really sort of come into his own until he was drafted in 2007 yeah but it's it's not until he, he gets to Seattle in 2011 that really yeah. he sort of takes off in any significant way. Yeah, um, I agree. And then there is the kind of final sort of four years of his career where he just is kind of the way that running backs, older running backs, sometimes do, particularly really good ones, where they can hang around for a few years but kind of. A sort of bit part rotational players on offenses, like he was when he went to the Raiders. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, he's got he's in the ten thousand yard club, so you can kind of make that case. It's just the yeah. consistency isn't quite there. But for a four year period, he he was exceptional. It just so happens that it's a shame that his peak kind of coincided with Le'Veon Bell. I think in that four-year that kind of four-year period was better.
0: Yeah, I agree. Oh, he was. Everyone wanted a running back like Lavio and Bell at that, per- that period of time. Like he he was he was the the outlier at the time. Um, yeah. yeah, completely agree. Uh, okay, so carrying on, uh, Ryan Khalil for the for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. All very good, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Eli Manning. Speaking of contentious, not first ballot.
1: I don't think he's a Hall of Famer.
0: That's just me. Once again, if you're going for story, put Marshall Lynch and Eli Manning in. If you want a great clip to put up during the Hall of Fame weekend, put those guys in. Because they've got plenty. Eli Manning, yeah. outside of those, was a bit of a liability.
1: Also, I think if you look at the history of New York Giants quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, yeah. I don't think any New York Giants quarterback in any championship has reached the same standard that Phil Simms set.
0: No, I agree.
1: In Super Bowl Twenty-One, which is Probably one of the top five performances by a quarterback in Super Bowl of all time. Yeah, It was exceptional. He threw as many incompletions as touchdowns.
0: Well, Eli Manning's story would be great. And if you're going to do it, put him just in front of Tom Brady's bust. But... um, I don't know. All are very good, in my opinion.
1: There's too much second-guessing involved, and I think if there is too much second-guessing, then it's probably not.
0: Yeah. I think the next five, maybe six, seven are interesting, mm. but I don't think they're first ballot Hall of Famers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel them off, okay? So we've got Darren Sproles, we've got Clay Matthews, Travis Frederick, Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs, Akeem Tlaib, Demarius Thomas, Kyle Long, I've gone over now, and Vernon Davis. I think mm. Cam Wake deserves to be in it. Like I think Cam Wake was very good. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the benchmark for edge rushes for about five years. He was unstoppable, yeah. and he just kept playing as well. Clay Matthews probably as well. I hate him, but he he um,
1: he was oh, really Clay really Matthews, good. Is it hmm? Clay Matthews Junior or Clay Matthews Senior? Junior. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no, absolutely not. He's okay. not. No, no. The, I don't the, know. Terrell uh, you know, Suggs.
0: Uh, Terrell Suggs was
1: yeah, I think. really good. And it's um, and I hate to say this, but Suggs was better. Then who? Then Ray.
0: Then what? You
1: wow. I I I think he was a better player in all phases of the game.
0: Yeah, you might be right. Also, you know, a nicer person. Um, potentially. I don't know. I don't know. Him,
1: I prefer but... I prefer to Terrell Suggs.
0: Yeah. I think there's also, like Terrell Suggs, once again, there's a story there as well. Like mm. when the Ray Rice stuff broke, like the Ravens were in tatters after that. And yeah. rightly so. Understandably, it was a horrible situation. Ray Rice was a horrible piece of shit. And um, the organisation just didn't handle it particularly great. But the fans didn't deserve that. So the, the fans hadn't done anything wrong. Don't get me wrong. Any fans that were still supporting him didn't deserve a, a decent Ravens team. But, but I still remember the game, the first game after when he kind of like put the team on his back and he came out mm-hmm. in that gladiator mask. Yeah. And kind of just like took control, like cont- took control of narrative of like hey there's the rest of this team we're still fighting we've not done anything wrong and we still want to win games so yes this is horrible decade over here who's done this horrible thing but we as a team outside of the people making decisions that probably should have made bigger decisions um want to get on and still want to play for the fans i think that deserves some credit i think that deserves credit over things like beastquake and even beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, weirdly enough. I think that's like legacy stuff, like the stuff that's... I know, Terrell Suggs as well played forever, and he was excellent for that Baltimore mm. Ravens team. Really, really good player.
1: was.
0: Uh, Demarius Thomas, yeah, he was for the longest time the best wide receiver on that, that Broncos team. Carl Long. And his place in,
1: hmm? his place in history as well. Yes, he was part of three of the best offenses of that decade.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, Kyle Long, probably not. Vernon Davis, I don't think so either. Vernon Davis is too inconsistent for me. Um, yeah, absolute physical freak. Probably one of the most physically gifted players to ever take part on, ever take a field. But now. Nah he wasn't
1: yeah like the Kyle Pitts of his generation yeah but the problem is right that's a great that's a
0: great know, comparison I, yeah really I really I don't good.
1: know I don't know that you could put Vernon Davis in the hall of fame not no. not just because he was inconsistent but also because it's about characters
0: mhm about are you saying you trying to say you want are. you want to win you want people that want to win
1: yeah and when Mike Singletary says that, for those of you who you know, listen yeah. to the Ross Tucker podcast, or can remember that press conference. You know, yeah. he is also synonymous with that. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah,
1: and I think that's going to that would harm him. I think his case anyway, without that, isn't the greatest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He occupy he would live in that sort of Hall of Fame candidacy that maybe a Ertz would live in, where you'd be like not really yeah close not quite for me
0: i think kyle long is not the long brother that's going to make the hall of fame let me put it that way mm-hmm. as well no. if either of them no. are going to i think he's not the guy but no. um they'll they'll both be outshone by the kelsey brothers anyway um
1: oh they're both going in
0: both of them yeah i guaranteed, 100 no no question yeah uh, for me, like, there's obviously going to be players that are still on the list that need to get in, but like Luke Keekley's first ballot Hall of Famer, I think probably. Yeah. Oh, Thomas Adam Vinatieri are as well. I think Adam Vinatieri definitely deserves. He did that with two teams as well.
1: Keekly and Vinatieri, it's it's just it's yeah. obvious. And, and again, if we're going to put Patrick Willis in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whose career was short, yeah, but, but good,
0: distinguished, yeah.
1: Then that more than backs up the case for Keekley going in, and I, and I and I and I legitimately believe that outside mm. of you know the two linebackers I hold in the highest esteem mm. ever, are Jack Ham and Luke Keekley Yeah, they're basically the same player.
0: I, I think Luke Keekley is the best linebacker I've ever seen. Like in of my generations, I I don't think that I've seen a linebacker be able to do what he could do at the speed he could do it with the ferocity that he could do it with the intelligence as well. He was, he had everything.
1: And just the most under control. Yeah. um, Linebacker. I've ever seen just so under control, able to move quickly and sift through traffic. But at the same time, an awareness to stay under control. He very rarely saw him take a bad pursuit angle and in the open field or in traffic or at the line where it was messy and muddy, he was a solid Mm. fundamental tackler who, who, you know, if he missed, you know, you often wondered if it was the end of days because he missed so infrequently.
0: I, I also think, as well, with Luke Heatley like there wasn't—you don't re- ever remember a play that he wasn't involved in in some way, mm. like a recent well, running play anyway, or a short short passing game play. But,
1: but he was, yeah. and he was, yeah, and he set the standard for coverage linebackers. He really did.
0: Well, he bailed out their secondary numerous times.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: By being Luke Keekley, I love Luke Keekly. Um I love Bobby Wagner as well. But I think for me and I love Patrick Willis and I love the current crop of linebackers. But for me, Luke Keekly is the benchmark of linebackers. Keep Ray Lewis. I, I, don't, I don't really I think Ray Lewis won a lot of games before he took a field. Um mm-hmm. He was very good, yeah. obviously. But I, I take Luke Keekley in a heartbeat over Ray Lewis. As far as I'm concerned. So, should we talk about a Super Bowl? We've got the Kansas City versus the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Which I think, throughout the season, there have been periods where I, it would be surprising to imagine both of these teams playing in this Super Bowl. The Niners yeah. went on like a three-game losing streak where people were genuinely calling for Carl Shanahan's head. Mm. It, it, it is, football's a crazy sport when when, mm. when you can imagine that that was something that people genuinely thought might be the case. Um, And we've got the Kansas City Chiefs who had a bit of a rough start where there were terms like they've been found out being used. Uh. They're in a Super Bowl. They're fine. They're doing okay. Um, general feeling about the game?
1: Um, the same problem I have with every Super Bowl, because mm-hmm. you, you only have two teams to look at, it magnifies everything. Yeah. It magnifies flaws. Yeah. And so whenever you do a Super Bowl... You're looking at what well, basically the two best teams, but because you hyper focus on everything, you end up at the end of your sort of analysis thinking both these teams are crap, surely. So yeah. you have to kind of take a step back and then reevaluate <laughs> yes. from a distance, like a normal yeah. person. It's easy um, to find
0: the flaws on both these teams as well, by the way. Um,
1: yeah, but and there's yeah, no but discredit to either of yeah. them. No, I know, and, and I can't think of a single Super Bowl that certainly that I can remember where there hasn't been a team that has been fundamentally flawed. Winner or loser, yeah. Um, because no one, no one's perfect. Okay, and I think both teams have had moments where they haven't just looked imperfect, but they've looked for a short period dead in the water. Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I will go as so, far as saying this: yeah. I can come up with a pretty convincing argument for why I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to lose this game. But I've come yeah. up with a pretty convincing argument why the San Francisco 49ers are going to lose every game in the playoffs so far. Mm. And yeah. they haven't. And they're in a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. So resilience is part of that. Yeah. And, and, part, and that all comes from their head coaches who have clearly, in their own ways, built in a resilience that we weren't expecting when they were going through those lows.
0: I mean, it's very um, possible these are the two best head coaches in the league as well.
1: There are no two head coaches, say for probably Sean McVay. Sean McVay
0: is the one I was thinking. Yeah,
1: I would want to face less after a bye week.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's a really good way of describing it.
1: Or probably Spags.
0: <laughs> yeah, but
1: you know, oh, it's, I it's, think
0: Spags has got some fun stuff lined up for this one.
1: Oh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go nuts. Um, I think where the Niners had their wobble, it wasn't just that they lost Steve; it was also that they went up against a string of defenses that were kind of equipped to do them harm. Yeah. Schematically, aggressive defenses yes. that aren't afraid to throw everything at you. Yeah. With a level of unpredictability. Yeah. And. Shani likes certainty.
0: Yeah. The the whole team is predicated on the idea that if something Mm. happens, you've got a way of dealing with it. Mm. And depending on what happens, depends on how you deal with it.
1: Yeah. And Brian Flores decided.
0: Throw the rule. Yeah.
1: I'm going right to the back of my playbooks, all the plays that everybody said was too crazy to use. Yeah. I'm going to use them. And it just was like. And, and and that offense just was like, uh-oh, what do we do? What's this? We haven't seen this. What on earth do we do with that? What's the check for this? I don't know. Um, and then, you know, Luana Rumo kind of did enough to yeah. make them look human, I think. The Browns certainly did as well. Um, and Schwartz, he was quite aggressive in that regard. He was very, very aggressive with them, and he knew that, you know, if he was a shrinking violet about it, it just wasn't going to pay off. And then, obviously, when they played the Ravens, Mike McDonald just, just, you know, chewed them up, spat them out, and used used them to grab his wetland. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so there's a theme here of aggressive kind of no fear defenses. Throwing the kitchen sink and disguising everything and getting yeah. crazy in order to kind of neutralise Shanny and neutralise what they want to do. So I think contributed to that slide and the moments where they've looked very, very human.
0: Coincidentally, mm-hmm. I also think the best way of beating the Niners' defense is by the Niners playing like the Niners' defense, play as wide as possible, like mm. play. You want your defensive line to to really kind of like pincer move around what the offense is doing. What the Chiefs did against uh, the Ravens, for example, yeah. is that they lined up incredibly wide, like defensive line incredibly wide, and then brought the fifth guy through the B gap, like cover yep. cover any gaps. And it was beautiful to watch. Like I, I really, I'm, I mean. I was rooting for the Ravens. I can't lie. I, I, I was, I loved that Ravens team. This is one of my favorite Ravens yeah. teams I've seen in a long time, but what the chiefs did to just absolutely nullify any possibility that he could scramble like outside of some crazy Lamar plays. And there were some crazy ones um, and took away the short yardage game, mm-hmm. took away the deep game as well, because their secondary is one of the best disciplined secondaries in the league.
1: I would and, agree in both phases, in both. Yeah, phases.
0: And challenged, almost challenged the Ravens to do something that, that they're not, they didn't want to do. They want to win games mm. by making big plays with their legs, first downs with legs or outside plays or across the middles, up the seam but not the intermediate, not the crossing routes. And it became very obvious that the Ravens' playbook didn't have a way of counteracting this. Uh-huh. So this is a different challenge for the, for the Chiefs. You do this, all of a sudden, Kittle's getting opened across the middle. Like, there, there is a gap. There is a, if, if, they, if they play the same way they played against the Ravens, there is an, a, a definite gap. But what you're trying to do is force mistakes from Purdy. And this isn't a slight on Purdy, Brock Purdy, by the way. I want to stress that. It's, it's learning what a player's weaknesses are or what, learning what a team's weaknesses are. I think Spags is kind of a master at this. Spags is a masseuse of pressure. He will find the pressure points. Probably a cut. That's a terrible analogy. Mike McCarthy's obviously the masseuse, but um, he he, he is a master at Kung Fu at finding pressure points. Like, what is it that's going to get the most? How can I put the most... What can I commit to putting pressure on this guy? Where can I commit? How can I put the most pressure on the one area that's going to cause problems whilst not conceding the secondary as well?
1: Well... It's almost like the dancer for seven bales. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, he'll that. show. He'll show you. He'll show you a little something. Yeah, to make you think that's what's coming. Yeah, and then whoop, oh, it's changed. Yeah, so you'll see a pressure look before the snap. Yeah, and then the back end will completely change, and the people you think are coming aren't the people who are coming. But the people who are coming and coming for the second level and they're coming late after the offensive line have already picked their guys up, and you've got defensive back running through, and you're like, Uh oh, I can't Mm. Wow, that was on me quick. And that's kind of what was happening to Lamar. It was like the pressure was there was the initial sort of look and the Mm. initial rush, and then there was another blitzer coming later that was kind of delayed pressure, yeah. He he thought he had time and then he realised he had none. And it kind of forced him to be very, very human and, and think more quickly than he wanted to. Um, the thing that Spags is really, really superb at is there are loads of guys that like to send blitzes. Mm. But when defences send blitzes, in, and this is, this is... Brock Purdy's really good against the blitz, in inverted commas. And the yeah. blitzes actually, statistically, with statistical measures, they measure it as any play where there's mm. more than four rushes. So that also counts five man fronts where all five come, okay? Mm-hmm. Which isn't really a pressure because you kind of know it's a five man front, yeah. so you're getting five. But, um, and he's been the best quarterback in the league versus blitz looks. Yeah. The anomaly is that in games where he's been presented with defenses that show blitz looks but disguise the coverages on the back end, yeah. the Niners have been the worst. Yeah, they've been all year. Brian Flores is <laughs> if there's a Spag spectrum, okay. Yes. Yeah, at, at one you have guys like Dick LeBeau who used to blitz with zone coverages behind it. Yeah, relatively safe but fun. And then at ten you have Rex Ryan and Brian Flores. Yeah, certifiable nut jobs. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Spags is at about eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. But what Spags does is he messes with the coverages on the back end. Yeah. So you're not just dealing with the pressure look, you're dealing with the rotating coverage as well. So the throw that you should have when you're hot, based on what you saw pre snap, it's gone. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And that's and the Chiefs run man coverage behind a pressure look at a rate of fifty one percent. Yeah. Fifty one percent. The league average? Sixteen. Yeah. That's Sixteen. Bomb, yeah, yeah, yeah. The own and the only team that's even close is Brian Flores' Minnesota Vikings at mm. like thirty seven. They dull it back towards the end of the year. Yeah. But yeah. But it, it's kind of a testament to what he's been able to do. And the reason he can do that is because he has Lejarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, yeah. and Justin Reed, who are the three yeah. most key pieces of that puzzle. Lejarius Sneed is as good a boundary corner as there is right now in the NFL.
0: Absolutely. Completely agree. In
1: both phases. In both phases of the game, mm. he's a solid fundamental tackler as well. And Trent McDuffie is almost a surprise surprise. And a yeah. really good one he was uh massive
0: potential. yeah i think he's incredible i love trent mcduffie i mean we we loved him anyway coming out of college that was one of the things we said was, we really liked him so it's um yeah for me it's like the shiny object blitz mm. look at this look at this yeah. look at this and while you're looking at that everything's changing behind it yeah, yeah. it's got um it's different <laughs> from what brandon staley was doing for example So Brandon Mm Stade played on play action, didn't he? So like the idea was that as you are turning to fake the handoff, you've got your back against the defence, and when you turn back round, everything's different. With Spags, he's disguising coverages, but he's also disguising blitzes as well. So you are looking for pressure from pretty much every angle. And while that's happening, the coverage is changing. Yep. So he's keeping Mm -hmm. you guessing on both the front end and the back end of the defense like nothing is as it seems and it can be anything at any point it's it's beautiful to watch spags has grown as a defensive coordinator he is Mm. every season he's got better and this season is his masterpiece i think this is like the the he's gone full spags like he's now, like he's now at the point where he's gone full spags, and like this is the final form I think, and it's beautiful to watch. Like he, he may never be able to put together a defense as good as this one that he's got at the moment.
1: And it's bizarre because they've done it with defensive backs that, with the exception of Trent McDuffie, have been cheap. Yeah. In terms of draft capital, round two, round three, four, five, six, and seven. Hmm. And then Trent McDuffie, who was probably my favourite corner in that class outside of probably source. Yeah. Trent McDuffie. I, I thought Trent McDuffie was always going to be a good NFL player. Yeah. I didn't foresee him being this good. This no, quickly. no, no, no. Yeah. Um, but it's about, he's got just the right personnel on the back end. And then what he's got is he's got role players um, in that sort of front seven mm. that are perfect. So Leo Chanel. Who, when we were doing linebackers for that class, we, we identified that he was very downhill,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: can really only go in one direction. But that's what Spags needs him to do. Perfect. Yeah, he moves down to the line of scrimmage as that yeah. fifth guy on run situations. Absolutely, Or, yeah. Or he's a situational blitzer. Yeah. And like, and, and he's only being asked to do the things that he was good at in the first place.
0: Yeah. And
1: guess what? It's really useful.
0: Yeah. Totally agree. And,
1: and the genius of acquiring George Karloftis is that Karloftis is like, as a prospect, was very much a power pass rusher. Mm. Um, so it would be, he he had a ball rush, yeah, a really good ball rush, but also he was like fundamentally sound and holding up, holding a setting a setting an edge, yeah, in run defense, yeah, and and that is really meaningful when he does play on the edge, he's also interchangeable. You can line him up as a four eye or a three technique because yeah. he does have that, the ability to win inside one on one versus a guard. So he can, he, he's got these role players that he can move and use to facilitate all of this. He doesn't I'm, have Fred Warner,
0: yeah. but he
1: has so many people that together can do all the things that he needs.
0: I'd quite like to see him play a lot inside in this one. Like, I, I think I think the key to to what the the Chiefs need to do on defense is keep every, keep their their talent inside, but play wide. Mm-hmm. So, like, use your rush the passer from wide nine, for example. We're rushing as wide as possible, um, but try and get pressure from the likes of Chris Chris Jones in the middle of this Niners defense, Niners offense, because I think that's probably where they're weakest. Trent going up against Trent Williams is just going up against a wall, so
1: just... not they, yeah, they won't they won't worry about it they will yeah. worry entirely about attacking the right side of that offensive line yeah and winning there because they want to force guys like Colton McKvitt to 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 deal and they yeah. will try and single up Chris Jones on that interior as much as they humanly possibly can so um it's going to be interesting. I think one of the ways that Shenny can solve the problem yeah, is a fullback.
0: Yeah, luckily he's got one.
1: He has the very best fullback in the NFL.
0: He does, yes. And on uh, top of way. which, one of the most versatile players in the NFL as well. Like, the versatility of what this Niners team can do is week in, week out their best chance of winning games on top of which the fact that Christian McCaffrey is an absolute physical freak Um, the Niners I think are going to try and win this one based on how many big plays they can break off because I think the Chiefs are going to play pretty cagey so I think the Niners are going to try and break off a handful of, of big plays and I think that's going to be how they're going to be able to get around this Take what the Chiefs give you. Don't take chances. Literally, just what is available, take it. Because at some point, someone's going to get impatient and you're going to want to take a chance.
1: So one of the things that that on the quiet, Spagnola hasn't been able to deal with quite as well is play action. Yeah. They are a below-average play-action passing defence. Um. They're so good at everything else, though, that it kind of evens itself out. But I think the thing is, though, that this year San Francisco 49ers have moved away from play action more than they have previously. And they've now very much gone to a sort of larger menu of drop-back passing. Mm. And they use empty much more. So what you might find is you might suddenly see a heavier volume of run looks yeah. and play action to try and sort of make them wrong as it were um, because I think if you're going to go with just that high volume drop back passing game and then a little bit of what well, they've, you know, they've been running at a slightly lower clip, if, if they lean a lot on that drop back passing game, yeah. that really plays into Spags's hands because if he knows you're going to do drop back it, it, it literally opens the whole playbook for him
0: Yeah.
1: play oh, so action will
0: yeah run as many counters as you can
1: yeah
0: so if, if they're going to work 50% of the time they're not going to work huh. all the time because you're probably not under, entirely understanding what's happening on defence anyway But you are going to get some. Sometimes you are going to get players out of position. Run Debo on sweeps as well, just like having sweeping across the line, and just to pull defensive players out of position. Because if you can get a first down from that, then they're going to. All of a sudden, they're going to start being wary of what of that happening again. So one or two things happen. Either you spam it, and you keep doing it, and they keep allowing it, and they keep playing their own game. But you keep moving, and it, it doesn't really matter. Or they okay. counteract that by moving defensive players out of position to deal with it. In which case, then you're allowing other holes on the defense as well.
1: I think it's going to be an exercise in patience for the Niners. Because I think so as well. Because the, the way the game will most likely flow is that with that sort of gash or be gashed approach that Spax has, Mm. you can experience game flow that's like one yard run, two yard run, eight yard pass, one yard run, two yard run, 20 yard run, minus two yard run, three yard run, two yard run, 20 yard run. You know, so it's a case of, Kyle in his head wants four and a half yards per run play, you know, he never wants to be in third and four plus. He hates it. And it's the one thing that makes him most angry in the world is when he's living in third and seven, um, because his playbook just goes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. But um, he's going to have to live with that and be patient with it. Luckily he's got a quarterback that can live in third and seven. Yeah. Thankfully. um, And a passing game that facilitates that. So, it's not as bad as, as it would have been with Garoppolo at the controls. So I, I, so I am concerned. Comfort.
0: I am a little bit concerned. Mm. Like the Packers game, they got away with one because there was about three instances with drop dropped interceptions from um, DBs from the Packers. Yes. Um, oh yeah. And they were, they were playing just were, the Packers were just playing very smart football. I feel a bit sorry so for it, Joe it, Barry after that. To be honest with you, I thought he played a pretty, yeah. pr- pretty decent game as a coordinator. But it's yeah. the
1: it's, it's the JT O'Sullivan JCO Sullivan quote: if "They could catch, they play on offense." Um,
0: yeah. Yes, exactly. So,
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's but I think he's going to have to be patient with the game flow, um, and he's going to have to understand that he needs to. Um, Lean into the play-action side of things a bit more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think you're going to notice Brandon Ayuk, they will be quite quiet. Yeah. I think Lejarius well, Sneed. That was gonna, I was going to say, yeah.
0: I think, I think Sneed, handle Sneed, handle Ayuk, that. yeah. is a fairly obvious combination.
1: Um, Kissel, however. Uh, Kissel, however. Yeah. That would scare me. That would worry me.
0: I can see a world where he's going to be the Super Bowl MVP. Put it that there way. is a world.
1: Yeah. There is a world. If you look at that linebacker group and the way yeah. that Spags wants to play and some of the space and voids that he leaves yeah. when he sends pressure, yeah. and some of the players that are going to be exposed one-on-one with Kittle. Yeah. If it's Trent McDuffie, I'm not massively worried. Mm-hmm. But if it's Leo Chanel ending yeah. up having to cover George Kittle in open yeah. space, I hate that. <laughs> I'd avoid that. I just think as, as much as humanly possible.
0: I mean, how many teams have had four players as good as the combination of Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey? Oh, and let's throw in Carl Jusjek as well while we're at it. Mm. Like, how do you cover all of them? I don't think you can. I think you've just got to force the quarterback to make mistakes.
1: Mm. You, you, you have to kind of accept that you're going to as a defence as well you're going to have to be patient and you are going to have to keep rallying and tackling in space yeah because if you can't rally and tackle in space it, it, Debo Samuel will eat you alive George Kittle will eat you alive yeah Christian McCaffrey will eat you alive yeah and and it's it's remarkable because they're not invincible no but if you can't nail that limiting yak opportunities yeah. and limiting big plays in the running game, you're dead. yeah, You're doomed. And, and if they're completing chunk plays in the air in the, in the first half, forget it. yeah, It's over. It really is over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you're never going to guess what they're actually going to do. So hmm. totally agree. Unless... Yeah.
1: Unless... You have the greatest quarterback in the game.
0: Nice one, James. Yeah, excellent. Well, well done. I, I, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I was hoping you, that's what you, where you are going to go with.
1: I was going. So
0: he, the, the Patrick, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey collection through the playoffs has been completely different from the rest of the regular season.
1: Yeah, it has. I've got the statistics, that's the data. Yeah. So in the three playoff games,
2: yeah.
1: Um, when targeting Kelsey, it's 23 of 27. Yeah. 262 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. 51.9% of his targets have gone for a first down or a score. My God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the real thing in the postseason, dude. It's the real thing.
0: Nolan's defense is beatable as well. They've got some great players like Fred Warner's exceptional, Nick Bosa's great, but they are beatable.
1: So, the biggest problem mm-hmm. that they have, and um, the most recent and clearest example is the Packers game. Yeah. Where, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where you were seeing them just inviting Bosa and Young upfield. And then there's crackback blocks on the perimeter. Yeah. When they were running like pin and pull and wide zone, they're just literally blowing the perimeter wide open to yeah. dash them running outside. And it was like the aggressiveness of those pass rushes. Yeah. Is their downfall, and and, it, and it's kind of a trope, really. That the, the yeah. bosses are not brilliant at setting the edge in the wrong game. No, they never no. have. N- neither of them. That's not what they do, but they need to be more fundamentally sound this week because they will do all they can to test those edge defenders in the wrong game. Yeah, they're also going to try and bully them in the middle as well. You, you will probably see a lot of duo
2: mm.
1: double teams in the A and B gap clearing space, and Pacheco just, yeah, yards after contact.
0: Yeah, totally agree. one second so one thing I would do if I'm the Chiefs if I see MVS versus Aubrey Thomas I am making sure that I am throwing him the ball like if it's one on one with those two like I'm thinking MVS is my deep threat right MVS is my guy that I'm going to send deep. And I, I, I fancy my chances against Thomas. Not on every single play. If I see those two, that match up, I'm thinking there is a possible touchdown happening here.
1: Spot on. Spot on. So
0: every time I see those two line up, I'm slinging it to MVS. Because 50% of the time he's going to drop it.
1: Well, it's odd you should say that because um, I was listening to the Athletic pod yeah. today, and there was a report um, from Chiefs practice that um, that um, the quote was something like this: um, "Not a single ball hit the ground in practice." I mm. oh, wait a minute; no one did, and it was thrown to MVS.
0: <laughs> that does not remotely surprise
1: me. But um, but yeah, it, it's real. It's real. The man has hands of mm. stone. Um, it, it, you know, you meant you meant to have like. Forearms of stone and hands that are like pillows to catch things. Yeah. Yep. Soft hands, strong arms. He yeah. has the opposite. He has mashed potato arms and concrete fingers. It's just remarkable for a man whose job is to literally catch the ball. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's horrific. Um, but it's just cause you can run fast yeah. in a straight line only, um, which is stupid.
2: Yeah, Um,
1: absolutely. I'm He's a million times the athlete you or I would ever be. But oh, yeah. He no so. But, um, yeah, Ambry Thomas and Oren Burks are the two yeah. players that the Chiefs want to schematically get onto the field for the Niners as much as humanly possible. So um, multiple tight end sets. it can make sure that you get Oren Burks, definitely.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is that if you force Oren Burks onto the field, you move Lenoir from the slot to the perimeter, where yeah. he's not as good. And so that's thir- 12 and 13 personnel are going to kind of force that. And I think that might be the way forward. And mm-hmm. also given how bad their receiver group has been. Yeah. I just lean into it. I just lean into it. Just three tight ends yeah. coming back and Rasheed Rice and just say, well, yeah, we'll just do this all game because we can do anything we want from it. Cause yeah. their tight end room is full of guys who are six, five and two sixty. And, and who can
0: all run 4-7. He's opened up about this now, Travis Kelsey. And we've always known this. He deliberately hides himself amongst the tight ends yeah. to get open. And, I mean, it's a work of genius. We've, we, I, say, I think we all already know this. Um,
1: I've never seen someone so big yeah. and so athletic go to so much trouble to avoid hands yeah. getting on them off the line it's remarkable he's huge but but they always managed to scheme it up so that no one actually touches him yeah until he's downfield
2: yeah
1: the other thing hmm. he and Mahomes are at a point now where they just make it up
0: yeah it doesn't but matter what running. Yeah.
1: the same way then it's like he just has he's 34 now which he's getting old he is slowing down he's not quite the same but the things that really matter about him are still there. It's, it's the sort of the field awareness, spatial awareness, timing and an understanding of where Mahomes is going to want to throw the ball. Yeah, it's, it's that and it's, it's the most acute and refined version of it that, that, that exists. And that's the reason for it. I think without that, it looks very different.
0: The problem they've got as well is Mahomes just makes it work. Like, I know that sounds really obvious, but I start thinking about, well, Joe Tooney's out on this one. Okay, so that's a potential weakness. You can attack that. You can, and you can definitely try. Patrick Mahomes will most likely still make a play. More often than not. Maybe not every time, but more often than not, he's still going to make plays.
1: He is solving more problems before the snap than he is after as well. Yeah. Which is unusual for him. He's... Yeah. He's gone from being this sandlock player to being someone who is up there with the Drew Breesers of this world in terms of, like, recognising what's going on. Yeah. Changing things or having a very acute innate sense of what's going to happen. Yeah. He's changing protections, he's making checks, the whole lot. And he's even throwing stuff out there that's clearly fake to throw people off, to make yeah. them think that they're killing a play when they're actually not. It's like he's now at a stage where it's not just the physical gifts, but he's galaxy braining it too. And that's that's why they should be terrified yeah. of him at the moment. I think it, it's, it's the final culmination. It's like... He's become the end-of-level boss that he was always meant to be.
0: Yeah, that's
1: 100%. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is not going to be very straightforward for them. He no. solves so many problems in the way that you never imagined he would.
0: Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. He is, I mean, we've seen him so many times now. But he said, does seem to get better every season, and admittedly, supporting cast is probably worse than it's ever been, and that includes last season when they won a the Super Bowl, but also didn't have much of a supporting cast. Mm. I um, it is worth mentioning as well. While we're at it, uh, Isaiah Pacheco has been very, very good as well so far this season.
1: Like as a potential, he player. has, he yeah. has. The, the downside of Pacheco is mm. that he has. The vision of a day three slash undrafted free agent, yes, but luckily, he has like the the ability to run through contact of an elite prospect. So, so you know, it's through around roundabouts. You know, he's like just he's a bullet in a china shop, um, but that's fine because that's kind of what you're going to need. Um, I think the, the the biggest the biggest thing that needs to be solved by the Chiefs is. Uh, how to achieve down-to-down consistency and make sure that they score in the red zone because in the red zone, they actually haven't been great. Yeah, not, not great at all. And they need to solve that problem. Both teams have the same need. They need to get into the red zone and score seven yeah. not three because that's not a place you, that's not a space you want to exist in. And I'm really, really sure the Niners do not want to be in the same hole they were in versus the Lions because it's very different being in that hole versus Absolutely. Very yeah. different. Because Spags will just put the clamps on you. You're doomed. Because they, he knows what you're gonna do if you're down twenty one points, you're gonna throw the ball. Yeah. If he knows you're gonna throw the ball, he will bring out his all purpose menu of blitzes and ruin your life.
0: Niners have been very lucky to escape a couple of these games as well.
1: They have and Don't get me I've wrong, well deserved
0: to be in Super Bowl as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've overcome a lot, but the problem mm-hmm. is that Brock Purdy has put out the fire he started two weeks yep. in a row.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And,
1: and it's all very well if you're Andrew Luck doing that. <clears throat> Brock Purdy is... is I like him.
0: Me too. It's worth I mentioning like I do like him, yeah.
1: I like him a lot and I like yeah. what he is and I like who he is. But there's a very real f- ceiling and a very real sort of, there's only so long this can work for him. Mm. So he needs to play a much cleaner game.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: And, um, but he also needs to play with no fear.
2: Yeah.
1: That's what got him here. He needs to play with zero fear and I know he has zero fear, which is kind of like what I used to like about him as a college prospect. He had no yeah. fear. Yes. Very mm-hmm. few physicals. He, he is not athletically impressive in any way, shape or form. He, he he's short memory.
0: Yeah, I was about to <laughs> say he's very forgetful, which is great. Like he he's um that could play into his hands. If he makes mistakes, he just needs to move on.
1: Hmm. But yeah. He's very resilient, very level headed. Yeah, very calm. Agreed. But um but yeah, and I think but I come back to the same thing every time I try and call this game. Yeah. And I think maybe you do too.
0: Possibly. Mm. Where where are you going with this? Who 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 do you think you're going to go with?
1: In my head,
2: mm-hmm. on paper, yeah.
1: The Niners have all they need to yeah. actually win it.
2: Yeah,
1: defense is probably good enough. Yeah, but I can't. Get it. Purdy's inconsistency. Yeah. How fundamentally unsound the Niners defence has been in the running game. Yeah. How close they've come to being knocked out twice by teams that are not as good as them. Yeah. And how the Chiefs have been the exact opposite of that. They've overachieved, performed very cleanly. Yeah. They've been very calm, very composed and ridiculously efficient for the last two weeks. They are psychologically and the way they present themselves and perform they're actually the Chiefs come across as a much stronger proposition Yes, and Steve Spagnola is the coordinator in this game who is the most critical to the result I think
0: I agree so here's the thing right I agree with all of that okay I think that's the Chiefs defence I can't find a problem with it that the Niners can exploit too much. Maybe mm. a little bit. I can find issues with the Niners defense. I can't I can definitely find issues with the Chiefs receivers, but I also can see how they get round it.
1: And, I, haven't
0: hmm?
1: I haven't covered a nugget. Yeah. And this is all about Patrick Mahomes yeah. and disguised coverages. Yeah. So the San Francisco 49ers yeah. are 29th ninth yeah. in the NFL in frequency of disguised coverages used. Yeah. Only three teams disguise their coverages less often. Mm. Okay. One of them is the Jets. That shouldn't surprise you. No. If you think about the lineage. Okay. Now, versus teams, since 2018, versus teams that do not disguise their coverages. Yeah. More than, you know, below league average. Mahomes is against teams that don't disguise their coverages. He is second in the NFL since 2018. Yeah. Versus teams that do not blitz. The Niners blitz the... They're second to last for frequency of blitzes in the last yep. five years. Mahomes is first against teams wow. that frequently. Um, the Niners do stunt. are yep. they, they are 11th in stunt frequency over that five year period, but yep. Mahomes is still best in the league versus teams that stunt. And against teams that rush four or less, The Niners do that the eighth most frequently in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Mahomes is first. So schematically, based on tendency, Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes is the perfect quarterback to solve this defense.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I'm still going to go for the Niners. (laughs) I I think the Niners, every time I've bet against them, they've just absolutely nailed it. Like. And I don't have much of a scientific reason. I can come up with more reasons why I think the Niners will lose than, than win. I just, I appreciate kind of everything they've done so far and and how they've kind of won despite their flaws and fa- found ways around it. So mm. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm back in the Niners because I think they can adapt quick enough to keep up with whatever's thrown at them?
1: There's a big part of me yep. that really wants Kyle Shanahan to win.
0: It's part of that. Part of my, my my choice is that as well, to be fair.
1: He more than deserves it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: More than deserves it. He'll go to the Hall of Fame for being an offensive architect.
0: He, he thoroughly the deserves to be a Hall of Fame.
1: Done. For the work that he's done as, as much, if not more so than his father
0: mm.
1: because of the diverse, diversity of what he's done with that initial system that he implemented, which is just an offshoot of what his dad did. It's not yeah. what his dad did. Yeah. It's a variation on it. Mm-hmm. But, and they said this on the athletic one, Nate Tice mm. said it without a super bowl, mm-hmm. he gets into the hall of fame in the same way that Don Correale does.
0: Yes, after, I, I heard this, yeah. After a,
1: after a 30 year wait. Yeah. Rather than Bill Walsh, who, yeah. you know, four years, 364 days, 23 hours and 59 minutes tick. Yep, Bill's <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, definitely completely agree.
1: Even one Super Bowl changes that. Yeah, I
0: totally. agree.
1: Um, I also think that if you've listened to the the athletic mini series The Play Callers, which is the story of the Shanahan McVay tree and sort of the yeah. inception of it. Carl Shanahan's very candid about the Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah. And how much he kind of second guessed himself afterwards and how much he blamed himself and how much he, he he it took him a long time to come to terms with his decisions. and justify them to himself and it took him a long time to invert commas get over it literally to get over it um and he just came down to this conclusion he said if you give me this the the easy choice or the risky choice I am automatically predetermined to make the aggressive choice yeah and that can win me 17 regular season games but it can also cost me a Super Bowl yeah that's just who I am I hope he gets one, but yeah, it my, I know, but my overall sense mm. is that it's quite a woolly argument, but for all the schematic reasons I've given me and just how composed and mistake free the chiefs have been, it feels like the kind of game they will win in a low scoring game. Yeah. Actually it's a high scoring game. I think the niners win. Yeah. Is what I'm getting at.
0: Absolutely. So, so who are you going with, though, specifically?
1: I'm going with the Chiefs. Nice.
0: I'm going to go with the Niners. Okay. So, with that, everyone enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to be a good one. Two great teams, I think. Two offensive geniuses, like in charge of each of these teams yeah enjoy enjoy usher at halftime as well excited about that one if you want to contact us hit us up on twitter it's just at grid gents. If you want to email us it, hello chaps at grid and, and come join the discord It's the pinned tweet on the twitter james if people want to get hold of you where can they get hold of you
1: come to the discord
0: there you go we probably will have a live chat as well while the super bowl's on so come join us on that so yes yeah. excellent guys thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week to discuss how our pre-season predictions went. Thank you for listening again, and goodbye.